0: Do you want to hear the most popular Leading Saints episodes of all time? For every podcast episode that has been on our top 10 most popular list, we add a T10 in the title. The T10 stands for, well, top 10. So if you ever want to hear the most popular podcasts, you can go to your favorite podcasting app or to leadingsaints.org and search Leading Saints T10 and you'll see the full list of our most popular podcast episodes. Oh, and I send out a unique leadership message every week via email that you don't want to miss. Visit leading slash subscribe to receive these messages or text the word lead to 474747. We'll send you a few bonus items while we're at it. And for all you newbies who are wondering what is leading saints in general? Well, let me tell you, Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. We do this through content creation. To see a wide scope of all of our content, visit leadingsaints.org. Kevin Fitzpatrick, how are you? I'm doing great. How are I'm, you? I'm glad to be here. Yeah, this is really cool. We we connected a few months ago uh, through a project that you're working on. A mutual friend of ours connected on us and uh, you have developed a really cool app called the Come Follow Me app. Is that right? That's right. That's right. It's been a cool. fun thing to work on. Yeah. And, uh, I've been, you've been giving me the chance to participate as you do, uh, the verse of the day every, every day. And I've, my, my mug has popped up on, on random days here and there. And, uh, I've got my new scripture assignment for the future of scripture in Genesis that I hope to, to tackle here soon. But, um, yeah. before we jump into the app and some of the topics we're going to talk about, maybe just give us a little bit of background on you and put yourself into context.
1: Sure. Ha- happy to. Um, so I, I grew up outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, so, so back east. Um, my mom was a single single mom in conference to the church. She, she joined the church uh, after I was born. She was Catholic before that. So I'm, I'm actually baptized Catholic as well. And oh, cool. she even after joining the church, she had a, a great uh, love for the Catholic church still. And so sent all of her kids to, to Catholic school kind of all, all through our education. So I um, it, it wasn't until I got to BYU that I I went to school with another member of the church, which was uh, which was a really fun fun experience. Wow.
0: Nice. What was your path career path starting at BYU?
1: Yeah, so I, I hopped around like many students, a couple different majors, but eventually landed on accounting, which was a great thing to study uh, for an undergrad. But then went kind of a general uh, business path after that. Um, spent a couple years working for the Boston Consulting Group in their Washington DC office, and then. Uh, for the past 10 years, I've been with Bain Capital, um, the private equity firm. Uh, most of those years we we spent in Boston, uh, but a couple of years ago, we actually um, decided to uproot the family and and move to Salt Lake. Um, and so we, uh, we live up here um, now. And before the pandemic, I commuted all the time uh, on airplanes. And since the pandemic, uh, I've been mostly working from my basement.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, join the club, right? There's, right? there's many of us out there doing that. So very cool. And so tell me about the the Come Follow Me app and, and how it began and started and, and uh, yeah, give us that background there.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, so this is a project that's been going on in one way, shape or form really for the past four or five years um, and, and really actually started before the Come Follow Me program came out for the church. Um I, uh, you know, our kids are still pretty young at, at that point, but my wife and I, um, you know, ever since we had gotten married, we, we would try and study the scriptures together, uh, be- between the two of us. Um, and I'm sure we were blessed for our efforts. Uh, but it often felt like a struggle and it often felt like we weren't getting out of it, what we really wanted to be getting out of it. And and oftentimes we would not do it at all because of that. You know, we'd, we'd read a chapter of scripture, or we'd read a conference talk, but then it would just kind of end. And that, you know, that led to long periods of time where we didn't study the scriptures at all. And, you know, one day I kind of woke up and, and said, you know, this is, I'm I'm going to be, you know, married to my wife for another 50 years plus, this is a problem we're solving. Um, you know, we, we should be able to figure out this problem because, uh, you know, doing scripture study and, and having that daily connection with God is, is incredibly important. So my wife and I really stepped back and said, what would be the ideal scripture study for us? And, and we thought about it and we decided it would look like a lot like a mini Sunday school class. And if you think of Sunday school class when it's done well, usually there's like a punchy set of scriptures they focus on, usually a quote from a general authority that expounds on those scriptures a little bit. Uh, and then a question. And most of the classes spent discussing that question. And so we kind of ran with that idea and and started creating content um, that are are aligned with those principles. But we also said, it's got to be short enough that there's never an excuse not to do it. And so all of the content we created was something you could read in like two minutes. And then, um, you know, so even if it was really late at night, we'd always have time to do it. And then uh, we did that for a while and it it was great and we really enjoyed it. And we're like, okay, this is really good. But we were like using a Google spreadsheet and it was really uh, a pretty poor experience. And so we um, decided, hey, let's invest a little bit of money here. And we are going to pay somebody. I had a friend who knew how to code on iOS and uh, he built an app for us. And it was super ugly. It was very low functioning, (laughs) but it was nevertheless, it was an app we could download from the app store and it housed all the information. And so we started using that. And then the app basically sat there for four years almost, and we used it, and we had a couple friends we knew, we you know we'd occasionally talk about it, and a couple friends would would use it, and there was a way to contact me through the app, um, and so I knew some other people had started using it, um, but uh, but you know there there was no goal to grow it or see this as a tool that could eventually help members of the church around the world, um, which is now our ambition. Um, and then uh, about a year and a half ago, um, uh, a couple of things happened that really kind of changed uh, the, the vision around what this could be. Uh, one was COVID had happened. And so I'd gone from traveling 45 weeks a year to traveling no weeks a year. And so I had a lot more time on my hands all of a sudden. The second was my kids had gotten older. Um, and so uh, my wife and I were still you know, really enjoying using the app for ourselves, but the content hadn't really been designed with kids in mind. Um, You know, third is um, uh, the Come Follow Me program had come out. And so uh, we wanted to align the content with with the Come Follow Me program. And so uh, as I had some time on my hand, I really began to, you know, look around and say, well, is this something we really want to invest in? And and could this be a tool that, that we could offer uh, a, a much broader group of people here to to help them with the same problems that that we've been wrestling with. and went through you know a, b- a big process to decide that yes, this this was um, you know, a big opportunity we could go through. There's a lot of other members who had the same issues that we had, which is you know, just struggling to have a habit of daily scripture study. There are a lot of good tools that we could learn from in broader Christianity um, and leverage a lot of the great things that they were already proving as very effective. And then we could just take those technologies and approaches and kind of wrap them into a church of Jesus Christ, a Latter-day Saint context and a come follow me context, uh, and create a tool that can, can really bless the lives of lots of members of the church.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Fantastic. And, and, you know, the similar, you know, it has some, um, echoes of uh, our journey with leading saints you know just this member led effort of creating more content for latter day saint leaders that will hopefully help them in their journey to to better lead and and yeah. um one thing i want to ask you about is that you explained to me uh, offline is just how the broader christian community has sort of figured things out a little bit more they're they're ahead of the the curve than we are with uh, as far as apps and the bible app and whatnot maybe to talk a little bit more about that, I found that quite enlightening.
1: Yeah, when when I was thinking about this, um, you know, early on um, in in deciding is is this something we really wanted to try and do really well and and make something that could be shareable with other people, um, you know, my first instinct was to approach this like I would a, a project at work. And if you were going to create a product like this at at work. Um, one of the first things you do is what's called a market landscape. What are all the other products out there that are serving, yeah. um, you know, similar needs? Maybe for a different customer segment. Um, and, and I'm using very businessy terms here. You know, an, an important note that people should understand: this is a 501c3 nonprofit. It's a free app. We're not we're not trying yeah. to make any money here. But um, but I, I really did think about it in a in a business context. Of I was going to invest some resources. I was going to invest a lot of time, and I wanted to make sure we could do this really well. And so I spent a lot of time, I I literally went through, you know, if you, if you download or, you know, in the app store, you can, you can just type in Bible or you can type in Christianity. I went through every single app that exists uh, on the app store related to Christianity and, and used them and tested them out. And there really are some great tools out there. And, and, you know, I think it's an interesting thing to think about of like, why, why is that? And, and, you know, I think there's some, some good reasons for that. One is Christianity is, is much more segmented than we traditionally think about it. You know, we, we kind of think of there's ourselves and then there's like all other Christians, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Um, but the reality is there's, there's, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of churches out there. Um, and, and it's a very fragmented community. And each of those communities are driving innovation. Um, they're they're incubating within their communities different approaches and different ways to reach people and there are some that have a lot of resources and a lot of scale and have figured this out really well and so, you know, um, the, the one you referenced is the Uversion Bible app. It's by far the most popular tool in, in broader Christianity. It's been downloaded over half a billion times worldwide. Wow. Um, you know, not a half a million, a half a billion times yeah, worldwide. That's encouraging. <laughs> um, it, it's penetration in the U.S. Christian population is like over 50%. There's, there's 45 million active users of the app in the United States, and there's only about 70 million people who walk into a Christian church on Sundays in, in the United States. Um, And they've they've, you know, themselves really just learned from other service providers like Instagram and YouTube and Twitter and TikTok on what makes those products so addictive. And they've just taken a lot of those same tools and technologies and then wrapped them around the Bible uh, to get people um, to build the habit of engaging with the word of God on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I, and it's one of those things I, you know, I've been so involved in just the gospel library or the church produce apps that I didn't venture out to see what, what are other Christians looking up? And so hearing those numbers, as far as the app, you know, that, that are being used for in the broader Christian world is, is like, wow, you know, there are, there are maybe different approaches out there. And, uh, And then how, how would you, as far as explain just the, the general experience when I get on come follow me, usually I'm on there at least once a day. Uh, It's a good way to start the day because like you said, just two minutes, you can sort of have some engagement with the come follow me, um, you know, verses for that, that week. And I generally hop on there. There's sort of a, um. I forget the uh, what it's called, but it's like the it looks similar like an Instagram story, right? Where you click yep. through the different slides, listen to somebody share a one to two minute thought, and uh, away you go, right? But how would you describe it?
1: Yeah, so I, I'd, I'd first describe it as our goal, our our kind of target audience is members of the church who are otherwise not studying the scriptures. Um, if, if you already have a scripture study habit, where you're, you know digging deep into the scriptures for 30 minutes a day, you can probably get some benefit out of our app, but but you're not really our target audience. Who we're really going after, we believe is is the majority of the otherwise active church attending, tithe paying membership of the church, but who who have testimonies, but for one reason or another, struggle to have a habit of scripture study. And what we're trying to do uh, and help those people do is get them from zero minutes a day or an inconsistent, you know, two or three days a week to a consistent five to 10 minutes every single day. Um, and, and, you know, as you say, our, our big goal is that this, they wake up in the morning and this is one of the first things they want to do. They want to find out what's the verse of the day today. I want to see who's doing the video and the verse of the day story today. Um, that's that's really the reaction that we're we're going for here, um, and the you know the content uh, within the app breaks down into a couple different things. So the main feature, the by far the most popular feature, is the verse of the day story. You know, as you were saying, um, this this feels a lot like an Instagram story, but it creates a five minute Sunday school class. Um, there's just several screens that take you through what a Sunday school teacher would take you through. There's kind of a welcome to the topic of the day. They share the verse of the day. There's then a two-minute video of a different person every day sharing their personal insight on the scripture, and it's kind of like the Sunday school teacher asks them, "Hey, Kurt, you know, can you read this scripture and then and then tell us your uh, your thoughts? What stands out to you in this verse?" And then there's a question that helps you. Um, think through how you can apply that scripture in your life. There's, there's a conclusion screen that kind of wraps up, you know, here's the main takeaway for the day. And then there's some ways you can go deeper, uh, with your study of that verse if you choose. So the verse of the day story is kind of the main, main feature. Um, you know, most people who use the app, uh, use, we then have devotional plans. Um, these are, you know, if the verse of the day story, you could think about that's mostly meant for a user to use by themselves. This is like their personal study. Devotional plans are largely meant for people to do with other people, either parents to do with each or adults to do with each other, parents to do with teenage kids, or parents to do with younger children. And we actually have devotional plans geared toward kind of each each of those groups. So we have devotional plans that are really geared toward adults doing them with each other, or we have devotional plans that are geared toward um, you know, parents doing it with, with their young children. And they're all around, again, this idea of kind of punchy set of scriptures, Maybe a quote from a general authority or for the kids, maybe a you know, a friend article or a video from the church that that relates to the scripture of the week. And then the big focus is is questions that you can discuss and ponder um, and think about and, and get that gospel discussion going in in your home. So that's the second kind of group of content. The third major group of content that we have is we're also trying to act as a centralizing platform for all of the great come follow me related content that's produced out there, whether it's produced by the church or it's produced by other third parties. Um, And, you know, I I know you've had several of these people on, on your, uh, your podcast, but you know, there's, there's uh, like David Butler um, and Emily Freeman with, with don't miss this. There's, there's Book of Mormon central um, that, that puts out a ton of great content. Uh, There's people like, you know, real talk, uh, et cetera. There, there's actually a huge, uh, group of of content creators out there, uh, in addition to the church, um, that are producing content that are geared toward um, adult members of the church, as well as kids. So there's Lana Pine Line, there's Ponder Fun, there's AP Sunday School, um, Scripture Explorers, there's there's a huge amount of content. And right now, what we're trying to do is pull all of those into, into one place, so that if you're a member of the church, um, you can go to a one-stop shop, and find all of this great content that's being produced around the web um, to help you, again, engage with the scriptures and engage with the word of God on a regular basis.
0: Yeah. And, you know, just from my own experience, running a, a third-party nonprofit organization dedicated to helping the church, you know, with, with their greater mission. I know sometimes people can be a little bit unsure about these resources, right? That I've heard of individuals who've recommended leading saints to their their bishop or other people in their ward. And the minute they find that it's not church produced or church sanctioned, they're just sort of like, ah, I'll have none of that. Thank you. So how do how, how do you respond to that to, to know that this is a... a Positive resources. See, I, I
1: actually think that's a, a really interesting question and, and, and one to think about. In, in some ways, we're an incredibly uh, decentralized church, but in other ways, we're an incredibly centralized church. Um, you know, if you think about it, there's few other churches that give, um, you know, so much leeway and responsibility to their everyday members of the church, you know, people are getting new callings all the time uh, yeah. and, and to serve in, in leadership positions and, and, and in some ways speak for the church in, in those capacities. Um, but in other ways, you know, particularly as it relates to doctrinal topics, we're very focused on kind of a, a top-down, um, you know, message, uh, which, which is great in a lot of ways, but, but definitely agree that that, you know, can cause people to, to sometimes be confused uh, around these types of resources. And so our, our approach there, um, is to just be transparent around who we are and what we're trying to do um and and again that's that's one of the reasons we think we can play a, a valuable uh role for the church and and you know it's one of the constraints the church church actually has in doing some of the things that we're doing is that look if members find us helpful and find us to be a useful tool please use us but if you don't it's no problem at all. You don't need to feel any sort of guilt around not using yeah. our our application because it's not the church. You know the the, the church isn't endorsing or recommending what we're doing, uh, and so just use it if it's helpful. And if it's not, that's totally okay. Find something else that that works really well for you. Um, you know, we're uh, not not everybody looks about looks at these things the same way. Not not every tool is going to work for for every individual, and so. Our hope is that this works really well for a lot of people and is a blessing in the lives of a lot of people. Um, but no, no problem at all. If, if this isn't your cup of tea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would, uh, you know, as a as an independent organization from the church in general, just as leading saints, uh, we'll go ahead and endorse this. So if people enjoy the content <laughs> at Leading Saints, they'll definitely find uh, the Come Follow Me app very very helpful and, and encouraging that way. So yeah,
1: I appreciate um, that as well. I mean, I, I think the other thought on here is, you know, we've we've taken a very specific approach um, in in how we think about you know, the content that we we put up on the app and as well as, you know, some of the video contributors, et cetera, that we have, we really are trying to reflect a, a cross section of the church um, in that audience. Um, yeah. and, and we want everything to be doctrinally sound, but we also want it to feel like Sunday school. Not everything's scripted, not everybody who you're going to see on the app you know, if you go to their social media page or something like that are, are, are you know, going to be, you know, look, looking like they came out of the First strength, of the youth manual, for instance. Um, you know, it's it's really, uh, you know, and again, in that way, our church is incredibly decentralized. If anybody can walk into Sunday school and as long as they're saying things that are doctrinally correct, um, they can they can share your, their thoughts and their ideas and contribute to the conversation Um and and contribute their their perspective on the Savior and on the gospel. And we've tried to you know follow that principle in our lives of you know it's it's not just you know called authorities who who are who are able to you know speak in class and and share their ideas. It, it really is meant to be a cross section of the church, um, which by its nature is, is a pretty broad spectrum of perspectives and, and ideas.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I encourage people, you know, like Evan said, it's it's free on both iOS and uh, Android. And so might as well download it, play around with it, try it out for a while. And I know it's benefited my my studying experience. And uh, so check it out for sure. Um, one component that this sort of uh, dovetails into our, our greater conversation today is this concept of, of questions. And as I go through those stories of each day, like you always end with some type of question uh, that hopefully propels people into a deeper study. Um, And, you know, sometimes we have this feeling in the church that we want people to walk out of sacrament feeling like, oh, I learned so much today or walk out of Sunday school. Oh, I learned so much today. But I'd almost rather people walk out thing with more questions than answers, right? Because it's these questions that propel people into deeper study and understanding where they'll find more answers, but they'll be on a much deeper level that will last longer and strengthen their faith and testimony because of those questions that they maybe got from church or from an app or whatnot. And so is that sort of am I articulating sort of your your philosophy about you know using questions through the app? Yeah, I, I
1: think that's exactly right. Basically, everything in the app leads to a question that is meant to help uh, you know the user. Um, think about how to apply what is being taught in their personal life. And if, you, and if you step back and think about the church's Come, Follow Me program more broadly, that is perfectly aligned with how they approach it as well. If, if you read the Come, Follow Me manual, every little you know, snippet, every devotional that they have in the manual ends with a question. It, it's all driving toward... Uh, getting members of the church to think about how to apply the scriptures, not just be consumers of somebody telling you this is the answer, this is what you should think about this verse or about this doctrine. It's it's getting you to really engage in the process and think about how would I think about this this doctrine or apply the scripture in my life.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And so let's let's talk about. You, you sent me a great outline around uh, questions. Um, I, I, maybe I'm just curious in general, like where. Is there some moment or experience that you've had in your life, or maybe just your your uh, academic training, that has led you to think more deeply about questions?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I I think this probably comes from my you know training initially in in kind of strategy consulting.
0: Hmm. A,
1: a lot of that is um, focused on setting up front before you get into doing any work, making sure you've got this framework to think about what are the important questions we need this work to answer. And then mm-hmm. those questions really guide the work that you're going to go do and prioritize the work you're going to go do and give you a clear uh, roadmap to know when the work is done or not based on whether you've answered the questions or not. And so I, I, I do think you know my, my focus on questions, my appreciation for the importance of questions does in, in large part come from that kind of professional training I've had.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So let's jump into this as far as the importance of asking good questions. And I think all of us, especially as leaders, we want to ask really thought-provoking good questions. But uh, where do we begin to understand what a good question is and how to how to actually ask them?
1: Yeah, well, I mean I I've I've got a I've got a great um you know, great, great quote that I always go back to when I, when I think about this, which um, actually, uh, yeah, I, I think Tony Robbins was the, the first one to say it, but um, the, uh, and the quote is, the quality of your life largely depends on the quality of your questions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, lo- life actually isn't so much around getting getting the right answers to questions. It's about knowing what questions you wanna focus your life on finding the answers for. Um, and, and you can think about, you know, two different people, one who's asking the question, the primary question of their life is, is how do I, um, you know, make the most money and have the most fun? And they yeah. may go and find the right answer to that question. And another person could say, how can I live my life so that I can use this time to become most like my heavenly father and, and serve other people and, and develop Christlike love? That's a very different question, and they could also then go spend their life finding the answer to that question. Both people ultimately find the answer to their question, but their lives will look very, very different because of yeah. the question that they started with. And so, I think I think questions, good questions, um, you know, for for a life are aligned around what your ultimate goals for your life are, and and are aligned with the bigger picture of what you're trying to accomplish in your life.
0: Yeah. And so, and I imagine this is the case as you, uh, you know, in your your day job as well, you walk into an organization who's looking for direction um, and you probably want to help them start formulating what those questions are, right? And, and so we we typically, in, in typical Latter-day Saint uh, experience, you know, we're typically in a family, we're, we're at church and whatnot. And so how do we begin to develop you know what those questions are that we know. Yeah, this is the right question I should focus on, and it's going to lead me to the, the type of success or the result that we want.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that answer is probably going to be different for for every, every person, but I, I think the broader principle just to to focus on that that I at least take away is is that you know whatever leadership role you're playing within the church, um, one of the, you, you should make sure that you are. Asking a lot of questions, whether you're a teacher in a class or the bishop, you know, running a ward council meeting. Um, your primary role in 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 those settings is to actually be a question asker, not an answer giver. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and you know, you can think about the best classes you're ever in. Um, you know, they're they're usually focused on a, on a teacher who's asking really good, thought provoking questions that are leading that that are eliciting really good input. From the class, and the same for ward council. You know, the the worst ward council meetings, and and it's you know, a, a kind of against the council system of the church is, is a bishop just saying, "Here's exactly what I want to do," and just giving out assignments and and not getting any input from from the council members. But you know, a bishop who's really doing their job, or this could be true for a Relief Society president or a Primary president working with their presidencies, is is asking the right questions to elicit the best input from the group to inform that decision that you're trying to trying to make
0: yeah so how, how do you use this I'm curious in the context of your of your marriage and even in, in the context of you know engaging with your your kids
1: yeah um so there's another quote I really like which which I think comes from um, Nietzsche I, I think I'm sa- saying that name right but uh, but it's marriage is just one long conversation. Um, and, and that is, that's, I didn't hear that statement until a couple years ago, but when I heard it, it just rang true. And I wish I had, I had like heard that quote, um, before getting married. Fortunately, I married somebody who I love having conversations with, but I feel like that criteria wasn't anywhere on my radar in, in picking a spouse. But now that I've, you know, been married, um, for, for a while, I really appreciate how true that is. Um, you know, you, you want to marry somebody who you're going to enjoy talking to for the rest of your life, because that is largely what marriage is, is, yep. is one long conversation. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, what is what is conversation other than asking each other questions or jointly exploring a question together? And so one way um, you know, we do this in, in my marriage is we, we do a lot of come follow me using the come follow me app and everything <laughs> in that yeah. focuses on driving toward a question. Um, and, and so my wife and I, um, you know, almost every night, um, you know, we're not 100% perfect, but, but definitely more often than not, um, we'll go through the, the come follow me adults and teens devotional and, and spend that time talking with each other. And those are some of our best conversations throughout the day. Um, is is just that structured way to engage on a really good gospel centered question, and the same thing goes with our kids. We do the Come Follow Me Kids Devotional Plan every morning with our kids, um, and, and there's always good questions in there that we're able to discuss with our kids. Um, but we you know do this with our with our um, you know family in, in different ways. When my wife and I go on vacation, we almost always have a question or are a couple different questions that that we identify in advance of going on the vacation to um, make sure we, we spend that time discussing really important things. Um, you know, and, and it's often something related to our family or our kids, you know, something we're trying to work on with our kids, et cetera. Um, and we'll really think about those questions in advance and and what do we want to focus our, our discussions on. Um, but then also just with kids, I, you know, I, I try and be thoughtful with the questions I ask my kids. You know, you can, you can think about, um, you know, a common question, uh, you know, uh, and I've definitely asked my kids this question a lot, you know, how was your day? And, you know, you can predict in advance what what response you're going to get to that, um, which is, oh, you know, my day was good. It was fine. And you're not really going to like engage your kids that way. Um, but a, a question I've, I've actually um, been asking my kids a lot more lately, which I found to be really effective is what was the most exciting part of your day and why? Or What was the most challenging part of your day and why? And it doesn't work every time, but nine times out of 10, I will get a much better response to that question. And they'll be much more eager to share because it's actually something they need to think about. It's not this question that they're used to getting. Um, And so it's really causing them to think. And and as they think, they then want to share.
0: Yeah. And I think naturally our our brains just have these, these, you know, these scripts that we go to just naturally is you walk into a, you know, a, a new environment and someone says, how, how are you doing? And naturally you say, I'm fine, even though you may not be fine. Right. So like asking these questions that makes them sort of, that breaks the script and makes them think and ponder. And then that creates more engagement. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, uh, and I love that, that my wife and I are about to, to leave out of town. And I like that concept of sort of having a question, even, even a question may not be related to the activity or anything, but and I can see that in the same context of a ward council or, or not like just having a question that people can wrestle with or consider maybe even apart from the, the group. And then as they come back together, they have a deeper perspective and thought that they can actually share with the group, you know? Yeah. Um,
1: I, I think that's uh, going back to an earlier question uh, you asked. I actually think that's, that's a component of good questions as well. Is giving people actually some time to think about it in advance. Um, mm-hmm. Like when I'm when I'm teaching a class, I often will say the question before I actually expect a response to it. So, for instance, before reading a scripture, with I, I you know teach the young men now, um, uh, you know before reading the scripture, I'll say, "Hey, we're going to read this scripture." And here's the question I'm going to ask you when we're done with the scripture, you know. And I'll, I'll ask them the question just so that they can begin thinking about it as we're reading the scripture together, and then they've got more time to, to actually consider what their answer is. But you know, as you think about a word council. That's the important reason to get the agenda out there in advance is, is get those questions that you want input on from the, the members of the word council so that they can actually have time to think about it and pray about it in advance and come to the meeting with ideas as opposed to just getting put on the spot in the meeting where, you know, really what you're testing then, or, you know, getting out there is how quickly can they think on their feet, which may not necessarily be uh, the best answer that they can provide.
0: Yeah, no, that's such a, a- crucial principle and i remember in a few contexts and i think hank smith it was the first one that, that when i interviewed him he t- he talked about this concept of building in uh building in the silence into your lesson plan and so because sometimes a, a teacher may stand in front of a group and they ask a question and then they feel awkward when you know nobody responds even though they'll, they'll wait in silence for 10 15 seconds and they they leave that experience really frustrated like man why isn't why doesn't anybody want to contribute when in reality you haven't really given them the space to answer and respond. And I remember in a similar setting, when I served as bishop, I remember being frustrated after a few times of of ward council where I just wasn't getting much feedback from the ward council. And I mentioned it to the elders quorum president I was serving with and he said, well, that's because you've had all week to think about these questions and you just throw this question at us and we haven't even had time to process a, you know, a, a good answer to, to respond with. And so you just need to give us more time to process. And it was like this yeah. light bulb moment of like, oh, like if I give them space to consider it, then I'll get better answers. And you can do that, you know, it doesn't have to be days and days, but even in the context of the class, just saying, hey, we're going to take two minutes, three minutes, here's the question, think about it, and then we'll come back, or you know, and and discuss it further.
1: Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. I, I do that all the time in classes where I'll, I'll ask the question and say, I don't want anybody to respond. Take two minutes and I'll literally like put a clock on <laughs> and make yeah. sure I'm really giving them two minutes to, to think about it. I, I think the other, you know, example of that, that I think is the most ignored part of the lesson plans that the church puts out is that they, they actually specify in a lot of the lesson plans, the last five minutes of class shouldn't be the teacher wrapping up. The teacher should actually wrap up more than five, you know, before the five last five minutes of class the last five mm-hmm. minutes of class can often be best used by just letting people think and write um, and and record their thoughts on their phone or in their notebook or whatever what really stood out to them today and how are they going to put into practice what was learned in in the class and discussed in the class and and that yeah that chance for I, I forget what you said Hank Smith called it but but I, yeah. I loved it you know just that space for silence or, or whatever it is. I yeah. think is um, you know a really powerful tool um, in part because that's when the spirit can come in. You know, if if we're if we're always creating noise, there's no room for the spirit. Um, yeah. You know, that's still small voice.
0: Yeah. And the other beautiful thing about that concept is that, you know, as I've had opportunity to teach maybe in a Sunday school setting is it it removes a lot of the pressure from the teacher. You know, sometimes early on, I felt like, okay, I've got to, you know, study the the Hebrew and Greek roots of all of these words and make sure that I come and present something that they can feast on and walk away saying I learned something. But instead, it's like, no, I'm just going to come focus on what are the most powerful questions that I can present to the group. Give them space to process those things and then see what the, the, the spirit teaches them. And that's going to be more powerful than any research I could do Monday through Saturday at home.
1: Yes. Yes. I, th- I think that's exactly right.
0: So talk to me about any, anything else that, that we've missed as far as in the context of church, especially for those Sunday school teachers out there or just, you know, any teacher in a ward that uh, is striving to improve their, their uh, lessons and whatnot. Any, any other concepts around questions that you would want to hit on?
1: Yeah, I mean, another one, and, and you kind of touched on it there, um, you know, in, in, in your comment. But, but you know, this is this is one of my favorite questions to ask myself. And again, I I've stolen this from my professional work and, and applied it to the church. <laughs> but it's this question of what does the user need, and and mm. and what does the user want, which is very different than what do I need or want. Because um, there's this principle in the in the business world that. Um, you know, you aren't the user, you know, the people who are often designing products and, and figuring out, you know, what what a company is going to sell or do, et cetera, aren't, are, are more often than not actually not reflective of the customer base that they're trying to sell that product to or market that product to. And so you, you constantly need to be getting yourself in a different mindset of not what would I want, but what's actually going to resonate with our customer. And I think the exact same thing is true whether again you're, you're a bishop or a release society president or a teacher in a class the the idea of preparing for that class or you know preparing for you know what what you're going to be focused on as a bishop or, or whatever isn't what would I want a bishop to do or what would I want a teacher to do in this class it's more what are what is my audience what are my ward members what are my class members what are my you know members of my release society what do they need from me right now. What do they need from the spirit right now and separating those two things? Because you can, as a teacher often get caught up of like, oh, here's all these really interesting factoids that I learned in my study this week. And for a nerd like me, you know, I can easily go down that rabbit hole of like, you know, here's, here's all these like deep doctrinal points, et cetera. That's not, you know, I I teach the teacher's quorum right now. Like it's not what the teachers need. They, They just need to, you know, Get a real appreciation for the basics and and those fundamental doctrinal truths. That's what they need. and they and they need to see. How is the gospel going to bless them in their life and and help them be happier and more successful at school and and more successful in their family relationships and all that type of stuff? That's what they that's what they need. And so, um, always keeping that in mind of what does the user need? What what does my audience yeah. need here? Not not what do I naturally want to share that I would find most interesting.
0: Yeah. You know, this is such a powerful question and and one that I can see it can be so powerful for a ward council to just sit with this question and think about it. Cause oftentimes it's so easy to jump in and fill in that the answer to that question, as far as like, why do people come to church? Why do the users or the members of our ward show up on Sundays? And naturally we think, oh, that's because they want this deep relationship with Jesus Christ. They want to, uh, you know, renew their covenants. They want to, uh, you know, Participate in ordinances, whatnot, and I would guess that some of them actually come because they're just they just want some community. They want to yeah, see their friends just, just or wanna, like, whatever, see, right?
1: See their friends and and feel yeah, exactly. Loved. You know, like at the end of the day, what's the you know? But most of us don't have to worry about food and shelter and you know physical yeah, exactly. safety. And so, on the hierarchy of needs, our next one down is like we just we just want to feel loved. And, right. and yeah, I mean the covenants and and the testimony and all that type of stuff come with that. But I, I couldn't agree more. You know, what what's what's the most common need people have walking yeah. into Sunday school? It's to feel the spirit, to feel a little peace and hope and to feel loved and that people care about. It.
0: Yeah. And and now that and that's just one example, right? because at the end of the day, we don't maybe they don't want community. Maybe they want something else, but you really don't know until you create a system or a way of finding that out. Like how many members have you sat down and said, like, just honestly, give me an honest answer why do you come on Sundays? Like what, what is it? Or, or going to that answer or, or go to the other family who's not coming and saying, Hey, I'm not here to convince you one way or the other. I just want to know why don't you come on Sundays? Yeah. Like, what are you, what are you hoping would be a church that's not there that doesn't get you out of bed on Sunday? Right. I mean, such a powerful question. Yeah. So, and, and you put these in, in your outline, in the context of four examples of, of good questions. And these are just like good, like, to be there thought provoking questions that can really lead to more inspiration and guidance. And, you know, one of those being, what does the user need? Um, what other question should we hit on there? Yeah. I mean,
1: probably my favorite question, which is, which is, uh, actually I use all the time in my life, whether, whether my professional life, my family life, my, my, you know, church life, etc., is how would I rather be wrong? I, th- I think this is, I can't remember who said this to me first. Um, but it, it, it's just one of those things that like I, I immediately uh, ate up and it just became part of me. And it is, it is a you know, uh, tool that I use uh, all the time. The, the, the principle uh, behind it is when we make decisions, um, we never have absolute certainty around whether we're going to be right or wrong in that decision. And so we need to think about the consequences of being right and being wrong in any decision that we make. And so, um, and and oftentimes thinking, how would I rather be wrong? Because you're usually picking between two things and choosing one could be wrong, you know, you could be wrong for A, B, and C reasons, or if you chose the other one, you could be wrong for, you know, D, E, and F reasons. Um, And which of those would you rather pick based on what would happen if, if you were wrong? And I think if you know in the church context, this is most demonstrated for me uh, as I think about um, you know my fear potentially of reaching out to somebody, whether sharing the gospel or checking in on them, if I think you know something might be wrong, or or just you know going up and talking to somebody who's sitting by themselves in church. I I have this fear in in part because of my personality of well, what if I'm just annoying them? What if what if you know they don't they just want some peace and quiet right now? You know, sure, this bad thing happened to them, but they don't want to be bugged right now. They just want to be in their house alone and just working through it by themselves and and or in sharing the gospel, like I, you know, maybe they don't aren't going to be interested in the gospel and I think that's true more often than not but but you know and they're going to be offended if I share it with them. Um, and but at the same time, if you make the decision not to reach out to those people or not to share the gospel or not to go up and talk to them, there's a the chance that you're wrong, that they really did want you to reach out and you ignored that prompting to do it. Mm-hmm. And if I had to choose between those two possible ways that I could be wrong, I would much rather err on I reached out and annoyed them than I didn't reach out at all and they really needed me to. Mm. Um, and I, I, think that's a really helpful way to think through those decisions again, whether, whether you're, you know, a, a leader of an organization or a minister, um, you know, we're, we're all ministers. And I know, you know, as we think about those assignments, that's often something that comes up of like, do they really want me going over to their house and like bugging them on a Sunday afternoon? And like, aren't, aren't I just creating more trouble than I'm worth? You know, what, what am I going to share with them? That's all that helpful. Yeah. Well, there are those families that and individuals who really need that. And and wouldn't wouldn't you rather accidentally bug somebody out of good intention than to not be there for them when they really needed you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful. Like, and I, I think it just removes like for those individuals who are maybe more risk averse, it's just like well there's still risk in you not doing something yeah. so you might as well recognize that and say i i'm either going to take this risk and not do something or take a different risk which has a higher payoff if i'm wrong yeah. you know that that direction you know yes. so yes yes yeah. every
1: every decision yeah. or indecision has risk yeah. uh, everything has risk and it's it's really thinking through which risk would you rather take
0: yeah Love it. All right. And, uh, the next question you have here is where am I giving my best self? How do you uh, employ this one?
1: Yeah. So, I, I mean, this this question directly led to the creation of the app in the first place. Um, mm. You know, he, here I was, um, you know, I was working at Bain Capital, progressing up through the ranks, you know, a fairly high powered career professional doing really well at work. And in my family, we were failing at scripture study. And that to me just wasn't an acceptable outcome. If 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 I had that same situation at work, I would have been, you know, up late at night, you know, burning the midnight oil, trying to figure out how to solve that problem. And yeah. you know, that that disconnect for me was really, you know, caused me a lot of lot of concern and issues. And and it was um, you know, it really was what got me down the road of, of investing the time and the resources to create something that would really work for my family. And obviously my hope is, you know, most, most people don't have to do that. We've, we've now built the tool, but, um, but I, I think this framework of, of, you know, are you being really successful in one area of your life, potentially at the expense or, or maybe not at the expense, but, but just you're prioritizing one area of your life over another area of your life um, in, in an unbalanced way. And I think at church, um, you know, th- this manifests itself most for me. You know, I've I've served in a couple different bishoprics, and um, you know, I, th- I think where I've gotten most in trouble here is is the hours I'm giving to my calling. Um, how much of that time is spent in administration versus ministering to mm-hmm. people, and and oftentimes the things that will come. At the top of the priority list is making sure we're ready for sacrament meeting and, you know, the, the meetings that are supposed to be happening are happening and the assignments are being given. And there's very little time at the end of the day left to actually go into people's homes, go say hi to people in the hallway at, at church, et cetera. And, and again, just show that love and kindness. Um, and so, you know, I think I think it's helpful, you know, for, for leaders of the church in, in thinking through that of, you know, in the time and in the, you know, energy and capacity they're giving to their callings, are they appropriately balancing it between all of the responsibilities that they have in those callings? Or are they, you know, I think is oftentimes the case, letting the administrative part of the calling eat up all their, you know, the most important hours of their day uh, effectively. And, and whatever is left goes to the actual ministering and, and the showing of the Christlike love.
0: Man, Evan, this is like such a powerful question, but and one I could probably do several, uh, you know, episodes all about because there's this. I, I just recognize my own self, like I, the way I serve as as a bishop in the church is different to how I serve now as not a bishop in the church, and I often catch people off guard by saying leaders have it easy uh, because. And just that that premise alone, they're thinking, what do you mean leaders have it easy? They, they've they got so much to do. I'm like, that's exactly why they have it easy. Because it is handed to them on a on a platter saying, here is everything you need to do as bishop. You have these right. this meeting night, all these appointments. You got to organize Sunday meetings, a sacrament meeting. And so you can feel like, wow, I'm really giving my best self because naturally these responsibilities have come to me because of the, the title I have or the calling I'm in. But it's when you're outside of those callings. That you have to really push yourself and say, okay, am I g- going to give my best self, even though I don't have the title, the office, the responsibilities? Yeah. And that's as I get in that frame of mind, it really pushes me through sort of that um, uh, apathy that that naturally comes of like, oh, you know, I'll just, I'm just here. I'm happy to help where I can. But no, I'm going to be engaged. I'm going to minister. I'm going to do these things because that is, I want my best self to show up at church, not necessarily at my nine to five job.
1: Right, right. right.
0: Yeah. That's a really powerful, powerful question. Um, all right. The, the, then we've talked about what does the user need and then, uh, how would my view change if I knew another person was acting rationally and I had and and had good intentions?
1: Yeah. it's a little, a little bit more of a, a tongue twister, but, um, you know, I, th- I think about this question a lot, um, as it, you know, anytime there's relationship conflict, um, whether that's in a, a you know, at, at home, uh, at work, or, or you know, oftentimes, unfortunately, at, at, at church, um, you know, um, and and you know, to, to focus in on an example there, you know, I'm a defender of the faith um, for sure. You know, my when when um, you know, going back to the how would I rather be wrong. I'd, I'd rather trust every word coming out of the prophet's mouth and occasionally be wrong in, in, in trusting him, um, because he got something wrong than to question every word coming out of the prophet's mouth and, and occasionally be right in, in, in (laughs) in (laughs) questioning that, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a defender of the faith and and definitely err on, you know, trusting our leaders, um, and, and, and following their guidance. And so, um, you know, when when people raise concerns or critiques of the church, my my natural inclination is 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 to fight and and defend um, the church. But um, you know, oftentimes we know that that just leads to to angry words being exchanged and, and hurt feelings and all that type of stuff. And and you know, what I've realized over time um, is when when people raise concerns or raise objections, um, they're not doing it because they have ill intent and they're not doing it because they're irrational. Um, they're doing it actually out of place of love and concern. And, and usually they're dealing with some sort of kind of moral dissonance that they're feeling between things that they really believe that are true and, and other things that they're confused by that, that they feel uh, within themselves are, are in conflict. And so I think if you, um, you know, as a leader or anybody kind of responding in that situation, can put yourself in the mindset of this person's actually coming from a place of good intent and a place of sincerity, and that that is almost always the case, you know, so often the case that you should just assume that it is always the case, um, uh, that, you know, the mindset you have in, in responding and, and trying to help that person is, is going to be very, very different, um, you know, I, I think another example where where this is um, you know maybe easier to to see, and then you can draw the analogy from it, is politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's it, you know whether you're on the right or the left, it, we often get trapped in this thinking that like, oh, well, you know, Republicans don't care about the poor, or Democrats don't care about individual freedom and liberty. Mm-hmm. The reality is both of the both groups care about the poor and both groups care about individual liberty and protection of property rights or both, whatever. Both care about having a good economy and good health care and all that type of stuff. They just approach it from different angles and they think they, they disagree on the policies necessary to achieve those outcomes. But their inherent goals and desires for society are the exact same almost mm-hmm. all the time. And, and but I think we forget that when we get into this kind of us versus them. It's actually all us. We're all going for the same goal of we want a happy, healthy, productive society. We maybe have different views around how to best get there, but, um, but we share the share the same goals and desires. Um, and, and anyway, I, I think that's often yeah. true at, at church as well as we deal with these more um, you know complex and, and potentially, um, you know, confrontational or, or, or challenging topics. Um, yeah. You know, just remembering that everybody in this discussion is coming from a good place. They, they may have different perspectives on what the right answer is, but they're all coming from a good place on it.
0: Yeah. And this is almost like a skill set where you have to just train yourself to take that deep breath and say, all right, brain, let me let me tell you what's actually going on here. Because I don't know. I'd love to ask God someday about why he gave us this program function here. But it's like we fill in the gaps of maybe we observe, uh, you know. A situation that involves us, and then and, and we feel uh, jaded a little bit by it, and so then we fill in the gaps of well, the reason this happened is because this person hates me, and they secretly want to kill me, or something. Like it seems yeah. like our brain defaults <laughs> to the worst case scenario about this other person. But when we just take a deep breath and say, "Well, actually, let's live in a world where they're actually a fully rational person who has the best intentions," then what would that story look like? You know, then fill in the gaps, and then it's like. Oh, they were just having a bad day, or they missed this this detail, and all is well, and we can move forward, and and not create more drama in our lives that that we don't need, right?
1: Yeah, and 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 I mean, this is a good. A lot of these questions that we've talked about today are my favorite questions because I need them. Um, yeah, because exactly. if I'm not asking myself these questions, I go down a really unproductive path. Yeah. Um, and, and this is a you know perfect example of that. Of I almost never. Am able. I mean, hopefully, one day I get to this point where I've got the self discipline of like in that first discussion with somebody, I, I can you know I don't go down that rabbit hole of like oh they hate me and they're you know totally irrational and just you know I'm just super frustrated with them. I, it's often after the first discussion that you know doesn't go very well, and I'm like feeling really heated and upset, and I can actually finally get to the place of like okay, I'm I'm not reacting in a Christ-like way to this. Let's step back. Let's ask myself this question of, okay, what if they, this person said all the same things that they said, but they were saying that for a completely rational reason and are coming from a place of good intent. Okay. I can get myself in that mindset. Now I can begin to see their side a little bit and, and I can go back and engage with them in a much more constructive and Christlike way but I almost never do that. Well, the first time around, this is, this is more a way to salvage it, you know, the second time (laughs) around.
0: (laughs) Yep, for sure. And I I get a lot of messages and emails from individuals who really struggle with the leaders of their ward, right. Or they are a leader and, but there's a, you know, another leader on on the ward council that they feel like is always after them or is, you know, is, is always frustrating them. And this is just a good exercise to say, let's just assume you know that the bishop isn't evil and he's not necessarily prideful or a narcissist he's just acting with the life experience he has with the best intentions and this is what comes out bless his heart you know and and now we can love him and serve him for who he is and where he's where he's at in life you know
1: yeah it's exactly this question is as important if not more important for the followers than it is for the leaders, because um, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, the bishop or again the Relief Society president or your elders' corps president or something, you know, does something and it's and it's frustrating and you're you, you know, you just don't understand why they did or said that thing. Um, yeah. But but getting yourself in the mindset of the rational, you know, they're they're trying to come at this from a good intent and maybe they made a mistake, but they're trying to do the best they possibly can.
0: Yep. And and awesome. having that
1: mindset. I think changes your perspective very quickly.
0: Well, Evan, this has been uh, so enlight- enlightening and, and helpful, both in the context of "come follow me" and in just this concept of, of questions. And I love connecting with with individuals like yourself and other. Third-party nonprofit organizations, because I don't think a lot of the the lay membership of the church realizes how many of us are out there who run these third-party organizations. There's a whole list that I could go down that are doing phenomenal works in their own corners. You know, we're sort of tackling the the leadership uh, angle of it. You're tackling the scripture study and come follow me angle of it. And I just, in my mind, I just want to. Have this little group of Avengers that comes together, you know, that, that, that we're, we're battling for the church and maybe unofficial capacities, but it's still important work and we need to do it. And so I can't stress enough for people to go check out uh, the Come Follow Me app, uh, you know, which is part of the Come Follow Me Foundation. Go to their website, comefollowmefoundation.org, donate, check out what they're doing, use their app, share their app. Uh, it's I guess I did all the plugging there for you, uh, Evan, but yeah, anything you would you. add if, if there's anywhere to you would send people to, to check out what you're doing.
1: Yeah. Just, just, uh, you know, um, either comefollowmefoundation.org me is our website or just go to the, uh, iOS app store or the Google play store and just type in, come follow me. And it'll be the, the first thing that comes up. But, uh, but yeah, hope hope you enjoy it. You know, thank you so much for for your time today, and and you know, so so grateful for what you're doing as well. I, I agree. We as we as third party organizations trying to support the church can do a better job. Uh, you know, coordinating our efforts and and syncing up, um, because there really is a lot of great stuff going on out there. Um, uh, all from this desire of just trying to to help members um, in yeah. different ways. So. Thank
0: you. So the last question I have for you, Evan is um, as you, I mean, this is a a, whether you think about it in this context or not, but this is y- your own leadership journey of, you know, with come follow, the come follow me foundation and the good work you're doing. And, and I bet there's been discouragement and adversity along the way, but how has this path of leadership in your own life helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ?
1: Oh man, that's a good question. Um, so I mean, first and foremost, it's gotten me in the scriptures a a whole lot more, Um, you know, as as I I still um, write a lot of the content that goes into the app. And um, it's been a huge blessing in my life uh, to, um, you know, spend that time in the scriptures, um, trying to put together material that's going to help other people. And so I think that's probably the biggest way. The second is it has brought my family much closer together, um, and it's been a huge, huge blessing in, in my own family. Um, you know, the third uh, that that you know is, has been really interesting to me is you know this this was my baby. I, I care deeply about this, but um, it's gotten big enough now, and and you know I, I, again I don't I don't get any money from this at all. Like I have I have a full time job, you know, other commitments, um, you know, provide for my family, etc. And so. I've had to hand more and more of the responsibility off to others, and not that I, um, you know, compare myself at, at all. But it is—it it has given me a little bit of a sense, more so than even other things I've done professionally. Of this, um, you know, kind of handing off responsibility to somebody else that you trust um, to 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 really lead something that you really care about, and and I think I get a sense of that. Um, re- related to what Heavenly Father and Jesus much, must feel when they give us responsibilities to take callings at church. You know, we are stepping in on their behalf to do work that, you know, they can't do on their own because they're not physically here with us. Um, and, uh, you know, it's given, it's given me a little sense of, of the anxiety they must feel sometimes as well as the gratitude they feel for the work we're all doing, trying to advance their mission.
0: And now that you've listened to this episode, go check out our top ten most popular episodes by searching T10 in the search bar. And be sure to subscribe to our weekly email leadership message by going to leadingsaints.org slash subscribe or text the word lead to four seven four seven four seven.